This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Mizugai. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 296 of Priority One Podcast, your weekly report on all things Star Trek. Available for download or streaming on Monday, November 21st at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Kenna. And I'm Tony. And in the recording booth is our audio engineer, Quinters. Jig, which I'll get a false oath. I don't know what he's <laughs> But <laughs> welcome back, Kenna. Thank you. I'm back. Yay. How was the swim? Oh, it was long and cold, but it's warm now. It's in beautiful Florida. here. Yeah, I'm in Florida. Yeah, it's, it's always beautiful. warm in Florida. Yeah, it's lovely, except that my <laughs> my computer is like, the fans on my computer are going, God, it's so hot. So I'm going to have to investigate some new uh, cooling options, I think. Well, enough with that banter. <laughs> Kenna. <laughs> hey, it's relevant. It's relevant. Well, welcome back, Kenna. We definitely missed you. Oh, thank you for having me back. Now, get back to work and tell us what we have in store this week. Well, this week we check out the some type of plot device in Voyager. We question if Captain Kirk is really a buffoon, how Anton Yelchin's friends celebrated his art, and the possibility that Star Trek Discovery could be for mature audiences only. In Star Trek Online news, the Tier 6 Sovereign class is finally, officially, making its way onto PC, and Console gets a major systems update. Later, Elijah brings us an interview with J.G. Hertzler from the Northeast Star Trek convention in Albany, New York. And as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Of course, don't forget to keep the conversation going at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast or on Twitter at Priority One Pod. You can also send us an email via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. And thanks again to all of our Patreon supporters who make this show possible from week to week. Visit us at patreon.com forward slash Priority One Podcast and find out about all the cool perks we have to offer. Speaking of Patreon perks, this week we are publishing the live recording of episode 296 of Priority one podcast this is an unscripted uncensored and unedited recording available exclusively to our patreon supporters one last thing before we get on with the show we're taking next week off priority one podcast will be back on december 5th with episode 297 now let's check out the latest news from the star trek multiverse i don't know then let's check it out In an interview with NME, Chris Pine, better known as Captain James Kirk of the rebooted films, chatted not just about his role in Star Trek, but specifically about what he enjoys most about playing Captain Kirk. Pine explains, quote, I like that he can be a buffoon. He's one of those guys that thinks they know it all, is kind of badass, and then he lets it slip. It's why I always thought Harrison Ford was so great. He's such a badass, but doesn't mind being made a fool of. Kirk is very fallible. He has no superpowers. He can be a dick and a really nice guy. End quote. <sighs> a buffoon. 
<laughs> That's an interesting description. So I think that that the particular characterization in the JJ verse is really just a reflection or or perhaps a translation of 1960s television acting, like Shatner acting. Because in TOS and in the original series films, Kirk Kirk wasn't a buffoon. He never acted a fool. Mm-hmm. He was always strong. He was calculated. He was witty. But I think in the attempt to translate that 1960s acting, that, that over-the-top type of over-actor mm-hmm. for today's audiences, that, that and they only had a vague understanding of TOS, right? Like, this is... For, for most people that went in and watched the J.J. verse, they had only had a sense of Star Trek from parodies, mm-hmm. like SNL skits, pop culture references. And I think J.J. dumbed down Kirk to be less legendary and more of a of an everyman type of character. See, now it's interesting what you say about this, because I haven't actually given it that much thought, but I, I think you're kind of right, you know, that the Kirk... <gasps> I'm so glad this is being recorded. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but, um, you know, the I think the way that they portray Kirk in the rebooted films actually kind of works. I kind of like it. Um, but you're right. It's not it's not quite the same as as he was in the original series. And it was played more straight, although it comes across as campy now that we're watching it, you know, 50 years in the future, basically. Um I, I don't know. I think it works for the modern audience, but you're right. I don't think it's it's quite the same as it was intended to be back in the '60s. Well, there's there's two fun things working here. Number one is the campiness you're referring to. The second thing is Kirk's inspiration uh, from Gene Roddenberry was Horatio Hornblower, and if you read those novels, Hornblower is like he he's a nervous wreck. He's always so worried that one false step and his ship and crew are lost, and he. He just he, he's just always sort of like you know he never second guesses himself in front of his crew but until he makes his decision he's just fretting and calculating and trying to do his very very best and trying to uphold the highest standards of the royal I mean he's just internally he's kind of he's just he's just a wreck but the new Captain Kirk his inspiration is the old Captain Kirk so it's like you're you're getting you're getting like it's like that the copy of the copy thing. Like, so you're not you're not getting the original what the Captain Kirk character was. It's an interpretation of an interpretation of a novel guy. So you're you're, you're yeah you're, you're you're just this is the second generation inspiration. So there's a difference between portraying internal anxiety and then portraying buffoon, right? Harrison Ford, and and I think this says a lot, right? Because again, JJ went into this thinking, I want to direct Star Wars. That's exactly right. I can only imagine that the direction that he gave Chris Pine was, think Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford was a buffoon. He really was. He kind of was, he just fell into things. Kirk never falls into anything. It is, everything is calculated, and albeit the inspiration may have been one of a character who had internal anxiety, that doesn't, that doesn't equate to silliness or idiocy right it just means that you are internally in conflict and always second guessing yourself but that doesn't mean you have to do it at the expense of humor where Harrison Ford's character Han Solo it's it is comic relief it's a bit of a comic-y character um, so I think it says a lot that he that he compares Kirk the JJ verse Kirk 
to Harrison Ford's Han Solo. Yeah. I think that says a lot. Yeah, and it's probably not a mistake either. No. And but remember remember the conceit is that this version of Kirk never had a dad, you know. I mean, this is he grew up differently than our Kirk did. Uh, he 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 got handed a starship on graduation day from the frickin' academy. Okay, I mean that's that's this Kirk. Uh, the other Kirk had to like bust himself up through the ranks. You know, he got chewed out by his superiors uh, for doing things wrong. You know, he had to compete for promotions with his fellow officers. You know, he had a different command upbringing than than the Chris Pine Kirk did. So there's that conceit as well. So that brings us to this week's first community question. Do you enjoy JJ's portrayal of Captain Kirk, or is it really just a parody of a character that we're supposed to try and take seriously? Is he too much of a Han Solo rather than the TOS Kirk? Let us know in the comment section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO296 or by replying to our social media posts on Facebook or Twitter. You ever wonder how hard it must be to write for Star Trek? I mean, not only are you writing science fiction, but you're also writing an established canon, and you're also writing for a plausible future that could be our own. It's got to be hard not to rely on some sort of deus ex machina or some kind of generic plot device. As a matter of fact, there's plenty of those some sort of and some kind of phrases thrown about in a series like Star Trek Voyager. And YouTube publisher Jogwheels made it real easy for us to see just how SLL the crew was in the Delta Quadrant. This supercut is over 10 minutes long and accounts just how many times the Voyager crew were completely clueless about what they were facing. I'm it's, guessing that at no point in there do they say it's some kind of wonderful. Which no, is a they shame. they never say it's some kind of wonderful or some, <laughs> or some type of wonderful. It's always... It's some type of torpedo. It's some type of energy field. It's some kind of thing in front of us that we have no idea. It's, it's really funny. Yeah. My favorite is the spatial anomalies and or temporal anomalies because it basically means <laughs> anomaly, right, is just basically a weird thing. It's some sort of spatial anomaly. It, it, a weird thing. You know, in front I mean, of us. It's, it's helpful, though, to some extent, though. No, this is a timey, whiny, wibbly, wobbly anomaly. And this is a, you know, uh, warpy, warpy, spacey, wibbly anomaly. I mean, you know, that yeah. helps. That's helpful. Yeah, but, you know, spatial and or temporal is a lot, is a lot more concise. You know so. what? I, I, I want a, a real life Star Trek where they're like, there's some bleep in front of us, Captain, and I don't know what the bleep it is. You've seen the Swear Trek Twitter, right? Yes. 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 <laughs> well, I want a mashup of that and this. I want that. I want these two things, these two forces to come together. I want that. Okay. We'll see if we can make that so. Hmm. I'm so clever. That's right. Um, <laughs> moving on. In a touching tribute to Anton Yelchin, several of his fellow cast and crewmates on Star Trek celebrated his work in photography with a gala event at the Other Gallery in Los Angeles. In attendance were J.J. Abrams, Chris Pine, John Cho, and even non-Trek celebrities like Dakota Fanning, Demi Moore, and Susan Sarandon. Proceeds from the exhibit will go to the Anton Yelchin Foundation, which empowers children and filmmaking students. The event runs through December 31st. Were you hoping to introduce your children to Star Trek with Discovery? Well, you might want to think twice about it. Or at least watch them on your own first and see if it's appropriate. In a recent episode of Recode Media with Peter Kafka, 
CEO Jim Lanzone suggests that nudity or cursing could definitely make it as CBS All Access, the digital streaming service that will require a subscription to watch the new series, is not beholden to FCC broadcast rules. When talking about it, Lanzone said, quote, the showrunners were like, oh yeah, we could do that, Lanzone recalled. Of course, the response is, as long as it serves the story, but yeah, end quote. Not only could Trek be for a mature audience only, but he also suggested that a science fiction show like Star Trek couldn't survive on broadcast television. That no one has got it quite right yet. Uh, pardon, senor. Uh, if I may, I have a little issue to take with uh, the Mr. Mr. Lanzone uh, with that statement. There are a a number of science fiction shows that have, in the last decade or so, come to uh, high prominence in the social consciousness, not just among science fiction nerds, but among uh, broad audiences altogether. Starting back in, say, 2004-ish with Battlestar Galactica reboot, uh, and moving forward to any of your zombie serieses that you might enjoy. Uh, the Expanse on sci-fi has been uh, well-received. Uh, let's, come on, the list goes on and on. This is one of the, uh, this is like a new golden age for not only high-quality TV, but science fiction uh, as well. So Star Trek is the king of the hill. What I detect here is that they are once again harnessing the the uh, the workhorse that is Star Trek to launch a new product, much the same way that the original TOS was used to sell RCA color televisions, much the same way that Star Trek Next Generation launched syndicated television shows, much the same way that Voyager was supposed to launch the UPN network. They're just using this as a workhorse to haul out their latest vehicle, and that's CBS All Access. I completely agree with you, Tony. I think that to say that science fiction has not yet found its footing in broadcast television is, I almost want to say downright ignorant, right? With with all of those that you just listed. You know, I can think of others like Continuum, and then you go to something like The Flash, or Arrow, or Supergirl, or Heroes, oh, or Heroes. Yeah. Gotham. There you go. I mean, you know, like, it's it's not space science fiction, but it's still superhero suspend disbelief fiction. Right, like this, these are things that that are are now mainstream media, uh, and to say that it hasn't found a footing yet is is just so detached from from an audience. Yeah, it's and it's, completely it's, disingenuous. It's, it's almost insulting. Yeah, it's it's totally disingenuous. This is meant to put cheeks in seats for their new for their new product. I mean, that's all there is to it. They're trying to come up with a reason to justify not having it on broadcast TV. So, boobs and blood. They're going to put boobs and blood in Star Trek. Because that way they can say, well, now you know why we couldn't put it on broadcast TV, because we're going to get all edgy. We're going to be all crazy. Yeah, but with you, know what? Who, you know who else got edgy? Walking Dead got edgy, right? I mean, you go to AMC now for any of their shows, and AMC is, is general, is, is still, it's cable networking, but it's like you could get it at one of the basic tiers. It's not HBO. It's not Showtime, right? We're not talking Game of Thrones here. Uh you could still get edgy and and produce quality content to to suggest that Star Trek can't work on general broadcast television is it's just downright ignorant. It, it almost it, it, it accepts it. I, I'm angry. I'm angry right now. I'm angry. Well, good. Be angry, and you should 
probably write a sternly worded letter. Or, or oh, I got it. You should make a podcast. That'll show, that'll show them. Well, I, okay. I've been very quiet over here. Um, and now I feel the need to interject. I think you guys are super, super cynical and being super hard on CBS. Um, because, of course, they're using it as a vehicle to get people to sign up to CBS All Access. And if you think that any television show is produced solely for your benefit and not to make money, then I think you're really naive. Um, and I think that it's fine. It's it's a little irksome, especially now that I've moved all the way over here and now I get to pay for it. Um, <laughs> that is a little annoying. But I don't. It's it's not a bad thing. They need to sell a service, and Star Trek's the one to do it. Um, do they need it's to? Not a big, it's not a big. It's not a big deal. No. no do they yeah, they to? do. Yeah, they do. Because streaming services are the way of the future. That's the way I, that things are going to go, and it's the way they're going to continue to go. That's fine. Come out and CBS say that. CBS owns Star Trek. And if we want CBS to continue and be successful, which we do because they own Star Trek, um, they've, they've got to move into streaming. And if the way that they do that and make that profitable That's fine. Then just tell us is that. by using Star Trek, then do that. Then just tell us that. Just say so. And don't, and don't change do. the content do, of the show because you have to justify putting it behind the paywall. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. I don't think they are changing the con. I don't think that's what they're doing at all. Yeah, I don't think are. there's any kind of justification. Oh, yeah. Um, I think they're trying Look, to drum up, maybe drum up a little bit of, um, you know, excitement. Like, ooh, maybe it'll be something we haven't seen before. Like but boobies. it's not. <laughs> well, we've all seen. Never mind. Um, this is Star Trek. <laughs> don't jump to conclusions. But, <laughs> no, what I mean is I don't, I don't think they're cha- I don't think they're deliberately putting that content in as an excuse for why it has to be on CBS All Access. Um, but I think they're they're probably trying to drum up interest. Exactly. In reality, I don't think they're. <laughs> I would be surprised ooh, if ooh, they ooh, start ooh, going all Game ooh, of Thrones ooh, ooh. on Star Trek. I want to make a prediction. I want to make I want to make a prediction. You guys can tell me I'm think, wrong in, in six months or eight months um, if I turn out to be wrong. This okay. will be exciting. This will okay, be exciting. Go on. I predict that in uh, by episode five, episode five of the Star Trek Discovery, they will uh, put something on the screen that will make Kenna go on a kind of a rant about how blatantly exploitative, gratuitous, sexist, something that was completely <laughs> unnecessary and didn't need to happen that way. Much like, you, you know, the commentary about Game of Thrones and all that kind of stuff. Something yeah. similar, I predict. This is my prediction. Okay, can I, I, have, a, I, have, I have another observation, too. I okay. think that this move, right, it, it, it worked once. It worked twice. It worked first in the 1960s with TOS, mm-hmm. Okay, yep. it worked with TNG. It mm. did not work with Voyager. Yep. It definitely didn't work with Enterprise. Ugh. Okay, mm-hmm. it definitely because you say Voyager, but I'm pretty sure UPN, the whole UPN network and, and Enterprise happened simultaneously. No, I, I looked it up it on Wikipedia sure? while you right. were talking. And okay, no, it's, it's so UPN. It's, so, but again, I mean, it Enterprise failed because Enterprise was on the tail end of that UPN thing. Enterprise mid. By the third season, switched up, right? It switched between UPN and then moved over to something else. It was some I, I, weird. Some well, weird UPN passage. did all, a whole bunch of weird stuff. Yeah. But here's here's the thing: is that I don't think we would be having this much concern about who's show running and who's producing and who's writing and where are we in production and are we going to get a May? Is it going to get delayed again? If 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 CBS had said, you know what, Netflix, yes. Pay us whatever a ridiculous amount of money you want for the for the rights, and you produce it, and we're gonna get a ridiculous a ridiculous amount on the cut of the success of the show. Yeah, 
I, this is, it, it, it <sighs> I, I, I think you're right. If, because Netflix has, a, at this point, an established track record of taking good care of franchises uh, and, and producing really, really compelling television, uh, that pushes the envelope on occasion. I mean, there's no, there's no two ways about that. You should not let your children watch House of Cards. Don't do that. Um, but it serves the story. And you, I can't... Right, The, 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 the scenes the that are you know, objectionable in House of Cards, they're the story has to go that way. You see why you see how they set that up and make they make it go that way. I don't see that being the case in, in a Star Trek show. Not on CBS All Access. Yeah. Not on CBS All Access. And that's what that's what burns me because I think that we wouldn't have this concern about, you know what? I bet you, you know who, who probably wouldn't have left. Let's not let's not jump to these conclusions. I'm with Ken on that man, one. Let's not jump man. to that conclusion. Look, man, let's not jump to the Netflix conclusion. Let's not connect these two money, things man. necessarily. Netflix is bleeding off. Uh, uh, okay, I'm done. I'm done. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, it's supposed yeah, to be my gonna, rant. <laughs> we're going to have to cut him off. <laughs> oh, man. I cut myself off. I cut yeah. myself off, okay? Don't, don't take credit for cutting me off when I cut myself off. Okay, okay. Okay, okay. Okay. And with that, let's find out what's been happening this week in Star Trek Online. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, Captains, welcome back to Stone News, where we look at the big news of the week in Star Trek Online. There's a big update that's just landed on Xbox and PlayStation this week, but first, we finally had the official announcement that PC players will be able to get one long-awaited ship, or is it two? Or is it three? I don't know. It's so confusing. No, okay, it's two. Okay, if you can remember back to sometime before I left a few weeks back, StarTrek.com leaked that a new expansion pack would be coming to the WizKids Star Trek Attack Wing game, with an exclusive code for a Tier 6 Sovereign-class starship in Star Trek Online. Now, at the time, we didn't have a Tier 6 Sovereign-class in-game, so this was a bit of a surprise, but we finally had the official announcement of what that ship will be and how you can get it. In actual fact, it's not one, but two Sovereign-class ships, one available exclusively with the Attack Wing expansion and one available in the Sea Store. Of course, each with a fleet variant as well. First up, the Attack Wing version. This one is called the Vizier class and is a command variant assault cruiser. That means it has seating for command, specialization, and bridge officers. Vizier class is only available with a promo code packaged with the Attack Wing Enterprise E expansion pack, and that is only available in stores. So it's worth contacting your local tabletop gaming store to check for it. It's expected to hit stores this week. No word yet as we record what the recommended retail price will be or what availability will be like outside of the U.S. So I called my local tabletop gaming store because, I mean, I want it, right? Because it's, it's the Savvy. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm going to play the game. Oh, man, I've been really wanting a Tier 6, like legit Tier 6. Because as of right now, we only have the Tier 5 Plus, right? The, the yeah. region class, yep. right? So that's yep. all we have right now. That's the closest we've had. So I, I called up my local tabletop store, and they've already received it. They've right. got it. They right. got it in stock, but he couldn't sell it to me because he wasn't sure if, oh, these were pre-orders or not. And additionally, it's they're not available on Amazon that easily. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's not like something you can go online and purchase. You've got to go to your local store, your comic book shop or tabletop gaming store or hobbyist store mm-hmm. to get a hold of this particular expansion pack. Wave 27 is what it's called of the tabletop game Star Trek Attack Wing for the Enterprise E Vizier class command specialization assault cruiser. Oh, and 
the retail value is going to be about $15 US. Wow. That's it? Yeah. A tier 6 ship plus the model plus if you play the attack wing, it's 15 bucks. Wave 27 is three different ships, right? A part as part of the game. The Enterprise E out of the three other ships is $15. So if you wanted the entire Wave 27, I don't know what the other ships cost. I would presume $15 each. Yeah. But the Enterprise E with the Star Trek Online code is $15 US. Okay. It sounds like it's one of those things that's designed to get new players involved in Star Trek Online, um, not necessarily for existing players. So or maybe cross-promotion. That, yeah, well, yeah. So that does uh, that makes sense why it would be potentially a little bit cheaper. But that does surprise me that for just $15, because I think we're going to get a lot of um, experienced STO players who will go out and find that just because that's that's a, that's cheap for a ship. Well, I mean, it goes the other way, too. People hopefully like will take your Star Trek offline. Uh-huh. You know, right, and you know, right, go play with right. friends too. Maybe you'll buy the set, you know, and, and do tabletop as well. For those players who can't or don't wish to purchase the Attack Wing expansion, there's also the option of the Archon class, which is the Intel variant assault cruiser. In addition to seating an Intel Specialist Bridge Officer, it also comes with an incremental phase cloaking device and the Starship trait Specialist Knowledge, which reduces recharge time of Engineering Bridge Officer abilities when you use Intel or Command abilities. The Archon class is now available on the C-Store for 2500 Zen. So now I've looked at both of these ships, and I have to say that the Archon class is actually a little more appealing than the Vizier class. Why? The phase cloaking device, the incremental phase cloaking device and the Starship trait actually sound to me a little bit more useful. I mean, I don't do a lot of changing up my my stuff, so I'm not sure that I'll go and plunk down 2500 Zen for it. But to me, I think it's going to be more universally appealing, the Archon class and the Vizier. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. When I was reading up on the Command Assault Cruiser, right, I was... And I read up on this Metreon gas warhead launcher and and some of the other stuff. I was like, man, this ship's a little gassy. <laughs> that's, okay. Yeah, that's one way to look at it. Sure. <laughs> the other way to look at it is it it once again harkens back to the one thing I'll never forgive Jonathan Frakes for. Right. Flying right. the Enterprise with a freaking joystick. Just right. Ne- never. Right, right. Never forget. It's worth noting that there is a set bonus if you collect the Command Assault Cruiser via the WizKids tabletop and the Archon via the C-Store, a two-piece and three-piece set bonus. Three-piece set bonus gives you a Battle Cloak, which grants an ability that allows the user to engage a battle cloaking device, which seems... That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, now, I'm going to stop you right there just one second. Isn't... And winners, back me up on this one, too. Aren't we going to have another round of... Ermagerd battle cloak is supposed to be only for the Romulans because they've got the uh, plasma, you know, or the the, uh, the the singularity core, and we had our power stats nerfed and blah blah blah. Isn't that supposed to be the great balancer? No, there. Um, some of the Klingon ships have battle cloaks as well, but traditionally Federation ships do not have battle cloaks. Yeah, and this is one of the very few ships that is, it seems is coming with a battle cloak, which means you can actually cloak while in combat. That is the difference between a normal cloaking device. No, no energy weapons. You can still fire torpedoes and stuff while cloaking. No, no, right? that's the enhanced cloaking device. Oh, which that's is the one that's on the... to Romulan and KDF okay. on. That's the one I was thinking of. Four or five ships. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Okay. Yeah, and I should uh, mention that th- this does not come with a battle cloak. You'd have to have the all three, three of those universal consoles equipped on your whatever ship in order to be able to use a battle cloak. Well, yes. I'll, I'll yeah, tell so you. You'd actually be giving up quite a lot <laughs> if you were going to use a battle cloak. I, that looks like enough fun to me that I might call Prairie Dog Comics in the morning. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. I, I kind of want, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the Sovereign class. I mean, you know. The art looks amazing. It's, mm-hmm. Yes, the art looks amazing. I've always been a fan of the ship. And uh, even though I'm not typically a tanker, I think for my RP, you know, like to, for it to feel track. I mean, I, I, I fell in love with the Enterprise-E. I really did. I love the Sovereign. So I may go ahead and, and invest in, in all three of these versions. And then, of course, the, the, the fleet version, the fleet variant. Something, something else to note, though, is that according to the Star Trek Online subreddit, you do not get the discount by purchasing, by getting your hands on the, uh, the command cruiser through WizKit. You don't get the discount on the Tier 6 ship, on the Tier 6 fleet ship. Really? Huh. As of this, yeah, as of as of this recording, you don't get the discount, the module discount. If you own the WizKid version, you will not get a discount on the fleet variant. That's got to be a mistake, though. No, I don't think so. I mean, we were just saying, number one, it's uh, you know, it's a cross promotion thing. It's it's a promotional ship, so yeah. they probably would like to make the cash somewhere. And the second thing that I learned from reading the subreddit was that all the ships seem to come with a wide-angle torpedo. So you lose some DPS, some damage, right, the damage impact, but you have a wider arc to fire a torpedo, which is normally 90 degrees. I think it ends up being 180. Is that yes. what it is? If, yes. you, if you put a torpedo on a beam build, you have to use the wide-angle, and that's why that uh, one Voth ship just goes for ridiculous amounts. Whenever one appears... Yeah, there's only two ships in the game that come with wide-angle torpedoes, and you can only equip one... Uh, version one instance of uh, of each uh, per ship. So when the Voth Bulwark and its Chronoton Transphasic torpedo ever, if you ever, if you ever see one on the exchange, snap it up, uh, because uh, that one and the Sovereign Refit were the only ones that have uh, the wide angle torpedoes. One, uh, it's a one eighty firing arc, so you can be beam on, you know, you can be right off of somebody's you know port beam, firing all of your beam arrays, and that torpedo will go off too. So right. now you lose some damage, though, right? The it's DPS not, isn't as high, but if you're wanting right. the kinetic damage from a torpedo, right? If you want to, you want to sneak something past a shield. I mean, it's it's there. You go, and you can and you can keep the right the proper orientation to keep all your beams firing. In other PC news, if you are in a fleet and working on building up the newest fleet holding station K13, you're going to want to keep an eye out for a series of special projects that can be completed in the coming weeks. Quoting the blog, in addition to the standard projects there will be eight special project unlocks that will run for two weeks each end quote project two alien studies is currently running now through the 24th of november now we expect further projects to be announced very soon and finally in pc news it was a quiet week for release notes but one item worth mentioning is that an issue with the episode uneasy allies which caused it to erroneously reward epic quality kit frames, has now been fixed. They fixed the glitch. But they are not going to take away the kits if you actually earned them. Uh, congratulations, you're a beneficiary of the glitch. There was something else in the patch notes that caught my eye, which was the delete, the automatic deletion of emails from the exchange. Now, I got really scared because I have a bunch of emails with attachments from the exchange, from items that I didn't sell. Fortunately, I logged into the game, and those emails are still there. So, Oh, so you still have all your crap fret. that nobody wants. I still have all my crap. I okay, do. good. I Thank do. God. I was really worried about that. <laughs> I Listen, I was, and I know that there were other people who were too. So there's that. So moving on to console then. Now, so well, not the PC universe, but the console the, universe. The console universe, that's right. Okay. 
So while the console version of Star Trek Online continues to play catch up to the PC version, a new update was pushed to Xbox One and PlayStation 4 this week that bundles together several long-awaited features. The update, called Star Trek Online Fleets, includes fleet holdings, the duty officer system, the task force Omega and Iconian resistance reputations, the admiralty system, and research and development, or R&D. Now, this update is going to bring the console version of Star Trek Online a huge step closer to parity with the PC version, since some of the most popular equipment and mechanics of the game are locked away within these systems. Duty officers and Admiralty are two big ones, since they provide a huge boost to the rate at which players can earn experience and other commodities. And among other benefits, Fleet Holdings, Reputations, and R&D will give players access to key pieces of gear, like the Iconian space set, and other key items like superior Romulan operative bridge officers who come with a passive boost to critical chance. Quoting executive producer Steve Ricosa's note, Star Trek Online is known for its fantastic episodic content, great use of celebrity voice actors, our amazing space combat, and the wealth of gameplay options that are available to players. Beginning today with the release of Star Trek Online fleets for Xbox One and PlayStation 4, I'm proud to announce that nearly every single one of those gameplay options are now live and available in-game. These are some of the hallmark features that make Star Trek Online such an amazing experience, and I can't wait to see everyone enjoying them in-game. End quote. We talked. We talked to Al about this uh, at uh, at Star Trek Las Vegas, and he was he said, "Well, at launch, we're not going to have everything, but we're going to have it all really soon." I think that's different than soon. TM really soon appears to be you know uh, what August to November, uh, three months. So uh, it, it took him about another ninety days or so to get a lot of the other uh, the UI fixed and whatever bugs and, and other things needed squishing uh, to make the port. But that's I mean that's that's pretty good for getting the bulk of the game ported after release. Uh, that's 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 not a very uh, long development window uh, to get that moved over. So it's kind of impressive. I'm also a little surprised that they've moved the Admiralty system over before getting their reputations in. Because uh, it seems to me that they'd want people to do that, uh, those grinding things before they let people get the sort of the passive, those extra passive commodity and, and experience bonuses before then. You know, working on the get your reputations done before you start getting those specialization points and other things that you can get really quickly with the Admiralty system. So Yeah, but you notice that they, they picked and chose the reputations that they put in. So they put in Task Force Omega and Iconian Resistance. They chose those deliberately. They didn't do them in order. So they're, they're picking and choosing the ones that are going to be the most useful to people, the features that people most want. One of which is Admiralty. And, that, yeah. yeah. That could be, but I, I suspect that it might be mission driven like these are the ones that had the fewest problems porting or we got the lighting maps finished done first for these um those missions that support that reputation system so i mean maybe that's why they chose that order admiralty didn't need new lighting maps but all those rep systems did oh possibly possibly i saw it more as you know particularly the iconian uh reputation even though it's quite a lot later but i mean I still run the Iconian space set. It's, a lot of people still nice. run the Iconian space set. It's and so nice. it's like, yeah, and it's just really key. So why, and they're going to want to spread out the reputation releases. I mean, those are things that they can release um, to keep people interested in the console version as they go. But yeah, it, it seems arbitrary to, to make people wait for, I don't know, six, eight months until they release the Iconian reputation way down the line. It was a good move to to release it now, to work on that first. So you got the Borg one, you got the Iconian resistance one. To give people access to those things that are part of the like the 
the I don't know. I'm not I'm not on the bleeding edge with the meta on the PC, but you know, it, it is, you know, current basic stuff that's going on on the in, in the PC version. Now you have access to it on console, which is really key. In addition to the addition of all the new systems, this week's patch includes a few other tweaks as well. There were a number of minor changes to the UI, but probably the most noticeable one will be that the camera zoom has been improved. The zoom angle now persists between maps and in space. Different classes of ships have different default zoom levels depending on the size of the ship. In content, console players will now benefit from transporters on Nimbus to help them navigate around the desert, and a handful of episodes have had extra waypoints added to help players progress. This week's console patch notes were rather lengthy, so as always, if you're interested in browsing them yourself to see if your characters are affected, we'll leave a link in the show notes at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO296. And lastly, before we wrap up Star Trek Online news, here are some upcoming events to look forward to. For both PC and console players, the next big event, if you can believe it, is Q's Winter Wonderland. Yay! Launching Yay! I'm squee- so excited! Yay! Yay! I'm so excited! I'm sorry. Uh, that's a quite I'm right. I'm sorry. That's a quite right. Carry uh, on. If you don't hmm. mind. Yeah. I wonder if Ken is looking forward to it. Th- I'm so <laughs> It's my favorite. It's like, oh, it's always a toss-up between the summer event and the winter event. But the can win- I... Ugh. Can I, can I get your opinion on something? <laughs> yeah. What do you think about the Winter Wonderland? <gasps> oh my god, it's my favorite ever! Did you know, I like write songs about it. It's how much I love it. <laughs> I've heard this. Oh yeah, that's right. I know. I've that. heard this. I've heard this. I know. I'm going to have to figure out what my next one is going to be because I just feel like it needs to be an annual thing because there are so many good like Winter Wonderland type songs. You're back in like... America now, so I'm thinking uh, some version of Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. <laughs> I'm thinking you need to, you know, just that's that's the real homecoming for you. Uh, That one that one needs to be. But uh, but I'll go ahead and just wrap up that three sentence thing I was supposed to read here. Uh, It will be launching on the first of December. More details are surely to come in the next few weeks. But for now, it's time to polish up your candy cane batleth and dust off your bobble hat and get ready to kill a few snowborg. And also for console players exclusively, there's a bonus XP weekend coming from the 24th to the 28th of November. As always, events are subject to change without notice. Be sure to keep your eye on the in-game calendars or listen in here at Priority One for more news and updates for Star Trek Online. Now over to Elijah with a very special interview from last week's Northeast TrekCon. All right, Captains, I have the opportunity and honor and pleasure of sitting with J.G. Hertzler. Thank you for uh, speaking with me for a few moments here. It's my distinct pleasure. I say distinct because it's not really a pleasure. It's, uh, it's a job that I have to do. Oh, I see. I understand. I it's, understand. Uh, you understand I'm very busy. I am absolutely sorry. Now, uh, you're local here at, uh, uh, in upstate New York, correct? Local? I would not say no? local. I live about four and a half hours away. Oh, that's Ithaca. not local then. Yeah, no. that's not local. No. It's an inaccurate adjective. <laughs> How are you enjoying the convention so far? It's, in fact, I'm enjoying the convention immensely because I haven't seen Aaron. I haven't seen, uh, I should say, Nog. I haven't seen Lita. I haven't seen Nana, uh, Kira. Um, and I haven't seen Robin, um, Savak. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, forever and ever and ever. I haven't seen these people. So Great. It's a great uh, return to, um, you know, to being able to see your old friends because we worked Absolutely. together for so long. Absolutely. And it's, uh, it's one, of the, 
One of the great things about conventions is people get a chance to see each other mm-hmm. that they haven't seen for a long time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's a year. Sometimes it's 10 years. Right. So. Now, uh, what about the, the atmosphere, the convention attendees? You know, I, I, you have been to several conventions. I've seen you in a few places. Over the years, especially now with like the JJ-verse, now celebrating the 50th, do you see a change, a shift in the attendees, you know, the, the, the types of people that come, the ages? You know, I, I don't. I, I have to say, no, I haven't. I no. haven't seen a shift. I, I, I don't know if there is a shift or not, but I have not been aware of any. Uh, there's still a, a, a mix of age groups, tremendous mix of um, of males and you know, male and female. Uh, I, I don't see a great deal of change. I see very young people, and I see people my age. You know that it was very important to them this show and their youth and now the young people are getting on to it because of Chris Pine and and uh, Carl Urban and you know the, the Kinto the whole new crew is um, it's it's as if it's being reborn mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. now with us celebrating the 50th anniversary Star Trek has influenced has has made such an impact and as an art reflects so much about the times with us celebrating 50 years of TOS, how how important do you think Star Trek is now? I think it's more important now than it was 50 years ago. I, I think the divisiveness in America, in the world, is has grown uh, arithmetically uh, and geometrically over the past 50 years. And I would never have believed it because when, when this started, it was the age of Aquarius. Mm-hmm. It was the age of coming together. It was the age of um, truth. Mm-hmm. I don't see that around anymore, you know, and it's something we need to strive for more than ever. And so I think it's very important for more than ever, as a matter of fact. Now, with the new series coming out, Discovery, how much of a responsibility do they have to, to honor Gene Roddenberry's commitment to talking about the, the, the existing cultural, political, social environment, uh, atmosphere of the time. If they want to do great work, they better pay attention to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If they want to put on entertainment, they don't have to pay attention to it. Right. But if they want to do something world-shaking, if they want to do something that people need to see and will uh, move heaven and earth to see it, uh, then they better do what Gene did back in the day. Uh, tell stories that were, were on the edge mm-hmm. and highly risky uh, set in a science fiction situation mm-hmm. so people could see it, weigh it and begin to understand their own world Absolutely. That's what made it classic I mean, in my opinion that's what makes the fact that we're sitting here 50 years later talking about Star Trek and Gene Roddenberry is exactly that mm-hmm. and if they don't do it in the new um, in the new uh Versions that are of Star Trek that are being made, they're missing the most important aspect of the show. Absolutely, absolutely. Tell me, what are you up to nowadays? Uh, last, uh, last we, uh, I, I had heard uh, you were working. Uh, you had done the, the trailer for Axanar. Uh, are you still involved in fan films and uh, lending your talents? I did two. I did two fan films. I did um, Gods and Men mm-hmm. with uh, you know James Colley up there in. Um, uh, in Port Henry, New York, mm-hmm. which was like a reconverted old factory building that was just a 
hideous place. It was the worst working conditions I've ever been through. But I had the most fun I've ever oh, had. Yeah. So it was a very strange combination. But, you know, Garrett Wong was in it. And uh, um, Will, is it William Russ? Is it uh, Tim Russ. Tim? Tim, no, not Tim Russ. Tim Russ directed it. Yes. But William, I can't remember his name now. He was in, um, God, I can't, I can't remember the character's name. He was the captain of the, uh, of the Enterprise up there. I was a Klingon named Toval, Koval. And uh, I was brutal, but um, <laughs> it didn't have nearly the gentility of Martok. But um, there were a lot. Uh, Gary Graham was in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chase was in it. Uh, there was some. Uh, uh, Walter. Walter mm-hmm. Koenig was mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. And it was fantastic. Anyway, and Tim Russ directed. Mm-hmm. Um, that, was, that was the first one. Then a few years later, I did this Prelude to Axanar. In the hopes of, it was basically created as a trailer for the film, feature film length, Axanar, Mm -hmm. which we haven't been able to start because of the whole uh, contretemps with um, Paramount about fan films and about what they can do and what they can't do. Right, right. And uh, I think it's working out, but I I don't know any more than anybody else does at this point. Right, right, right. And what about, uh, how can people follow you? How can people... Well, I don't, I, although I'm a, my, my Kethel, my name uh, on Twitter is Kethel1, but I don't go on Twitter. I hardly ever go on Twitter. I never check Twitter. I'm almost always, if I'm doing any social uh, networking, it's, fa- it's Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, because I like to rant, and uh, I write very long rants. I have a bad browser. Uh, my computer's eight years old, so I, I, try to, I try to talk on Facebook, and I'm grayed out or I can't even see what I'm typing if I start typing the screen goes gray so I have to type in the complete <laughs> blackness and then if I then I go over okay did I write oh I got to fix those you know that's a mess but um, but I can talk to people I could talk to people all over the freaking world mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like I want freaking death rays on the you know, on the shark's head. No, I can talk all over the world to people that I've met because yeah. I've been all over the world because yeah. of Star Trek. Right, right. I've been everywhere. Mm-hmm. Not everywhere, but I've been, feels like everywhere. And I have friends all over the place and I can act, we can talk to each other. And there's no way that would have happened earlier. It could have happened. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's mm-hmm. impossible. Are you still uh, politically active? Oh, man, I'm, I'm really thinking about how do I... How do I drop everything that I have here, including my family, and go get arrested in North Dakota with the uh, the Dapple uh, protests? Um, uh, the um, you know the uh, Standing, mm-hmm. uh, Standing Rock, Rock. Found, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Reservation, and I I have a great I have such great respect that everybody has dropped their own personal lives and gone there in their cars and their tents. Mm-hmm in their, you know, uh, freezing in their sleeping bags, standing in the way of um, what, trying to stop the, the corporations from poisoning. They're the water protectors. And I live in a very watery area. I live in, um, in the Finger Lakes. And we fought the battle to stop the uh, fracking in New York State. Uh, I just was arrested a few weeks ago um, uh, tr- uh, protesting a uh, gas storage facility that's going into the ground underneath the Seneca Lake. And the possibility of contaminating 
one of the deepest lakes in America, 800 feet deep, clean water. If anything happens, the entire repository of clean water could be ruined. Why we are even contemplating that for the sake of profit and letting these people do it in a time when everybody keeps talking about, well, the next wars are going to be the water wars. So why are we poisoning our water? You know, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Do you, now, but you mentioned, so you said you're not very often on Twitter, but how can people get involved with you, if at all? Like, is there... Well, they can read uh, Facebook. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm there under jo uh, hiding under the name of John G. Uh, Hertzler. That's okay. my middle initial G. And uh, you can you can listen to anything I've had to say and write me back. Uh, I have about five thousand friends because I can't I can't add more because it's a personal right. site rather than a uh, right. an actor's site. I should create an actor's site. I just haven't gotten around to it. I'm also on Chancellor's. There's a, there's a there's a Chancellor's site on Facebook, but I never I never go there. Okay. I might have to go there because the only way people can reach me. But um, uh, you should be able to reach me on John G. Hertzler. So. Great. Well, Mr. Hertzler, thank you so much for speaking with me. I'm glad that we had the opportunity to chat a little bit about. Uh... Thank you, my brother. Let's all let's go to North Dakota. <laughs> all right. No one. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. This week, we took to Twitter to find out, are you happy Tony's back? And our listeners were cheeky. Not one person was unhappy that I was back to take a guest hosting position, but only 44% of our Twitter voters were happy about it. The other 56%, well, they wanted to know who I was. Really? Really, people? Thanks once again to all of our voters, and be sure to keep an eye on our feed for more to come. From Patreon, Saka Gavasaka wrote, Yes, 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 I'm very glad Tony is back, and Skiffy too. Episode 295 was really tight, the discussions were compelling, and the outtakes were exceptional. Tony's acento espanol is, well, priceless. I love you. Hug. Elijah, that was legendary. From Facebook, Juan Aguilar says, Yeah, Tony seems cool. I think I remember him from a long, long time ago. A long, 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 long time ago. Long time ago. Yeah, it was a, it was only a couple months ago the last time yeah, you subbed like in for Elijah, August. though. So, <laughs> yeah. Our next community question, what do you think about a Star Trek cinematic universe a la Star Wars or Marvel? Can Star Trek tell that many stories with so many characters? Or is it destined to focus on a ship named Enterprise. From Facebook, Chris Keen says, When I watched the TNG episode Lower Decks, I was bored out of my box. The story wasn't strong enough for me, and frankly, I didn't care to know about the bottom of the food chain. Ooh, harsh words for the junior officers, man. From Facebook, Albert, just some guy Rivera, wrote in, I think Star Trek really had a cinematic universe with Deep Space Nine. DS9 gave us a life on a station. We got to explore families, a new planet, recurring allies and villains. It really opened up a world. I would love to see more like this. A movie about the Academy, a soldier on the front line, a spy in enemy territory, life as a Romulan, just something not on a ship. So this comment got me thinking. Um, I was really upset not to be here for the discussion last week. Um, what I'd like to see of a Star Trek cinematic universe is where um, Mar Marvel, I think, has done this really well. They've actually done 
different types of stories and different types of genres that could actually be standalone, um, but they've all tied into the same um, universe. So I'm thinking like, you know, uh, Avengers Assemble versus Jessica Jones. They're two totally different. They could be completely unrelated if they wrote them that way, but they didn't. They kind of have these little tangential bits and pieces that fit together. I'd like to see them do something with Star Trek that's like that. Right, they all link up in some way, right? Like there's all there's there's a tie. Like Marvel Agents of Shield referenced the fall of Shield yeah. when Civil War hit theaters. Yeah, exactly. So they reference each other. They clearly take place in the same universe, but they're totally different stories. They could be totally different genres of entertainment. That I kind of like that idea with Star Trek. Like, well, it goes back to my the thing that I still really really want, which you all hate me for. It's like a really nice, um, God, what is it? Is it the CW or whatever does that does these teenage dramas? I would love to see that, like, at Starfleet Academy. Would love to see that because it would just be great. Um, but that that's the kind of thing that you would do in a cinematic universe that you probably wouldn't, you wouldn't really want to make a Star Trek series, but it could be part of the universe. I mean, in theory, I mean, Tony's point last week was that Star Trek on television is its own cinematic universe, which is true. But, you know, we have these these little one-off, you know, or two-parters and things like The Next Generation, right? Mm-hmm. We could we could very well see a whole Sela series, right? Like a, a, a an Empress Sela. Yeah. Right? That could be a story. That could be a season of something, kind of like Jessica Jones was on on Netflix, right? And it ties in to Enterprise and there's a there's a crossover of of some sort. Um, you know where this could really play is with the Klingons, mm-hmm. right? There could be a series of, of, of Worf's story, you know, regaining his honor or whatnot. You know, I think that it could play. I think it could play really well. Yeah, but I think the difference between a cinematic universe and something right, that's right. just a Don't spinoff yeah. is that each of those um, concepts is its own standalone uh, project, its standalone feel. So if you're if you're talking about an Empress Sela spinoff. Maybe it's something that turns into it's more of the style of House of Cards, okay? Right. You know, something like that. It's 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 you know it's a it's a Romulan political drama, uh, you know that then references other things that are going on. But it's but instead of a sci-fi adventure series, it's a political drama. Yeah, I mean, I almost want to go the opposite way of that. I mean, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Daredevil, those all mm-hmm. the, all those shows are a consistent product. It's like, do you like Luke Cage? You'll probably like Jessica Jones. Do you like Daredevil? You'll probably like Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. They're all the same kind of show, and I think that's how, you know, even Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I'll throw that in there too. It's all the same type of action-y adventure, quirky superheroes having death-defying things and weirdness, and then there's the quippy one-liners and blah, blah, blah. There isn't a political drama set in the Marvel Universe. It's, you know, it's what kind of hamburger do you want? We're not going to also serve you pizza. Uh, and I think that's where maybe Star Trek was different and unique. Like like this this guy, Albert Rivera, whatever this guy is. Mm. His point was that Deep Space Nine was a different kind of... It wasn't a ship that went out anywhere. People had to come to them. And it let the same kind yeah. of people keep coming back. Um, and I think that that's... You know, you, you call it a. I think the cinematic universe is a bunch of shows that are kind of the same, just featuring different players. Where if you want to call Star Trek spinoffs, they really did have kind of different kinds of shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, like your Sela point, uh, you can have different kinds of shows in the Star Trek universe where 
Marvel, maybe not so much. You need to have a bad, a good guys and bad guys, and people kick butt and make smart-ass comments. Yeah. You realize that Captain Gecko is just gonna stop riding us, right? Because we keep we keep teasing. Who, this, I did, the whole this, uh, who is this? What I, I mean, you know, is he's just gonna stop riding. That's what's gonna happen. <laughs> and then, well, if we <laughs> keep know. asking good community questions, he'll he'll, I don't he'll, think he'll be able no, no, to resist. Al Al. Al knows that we love him so much and that we value his opinion a great deal and we keep asking him back on the show so he can tell us how wrong we are about everything. <laughs> That's why we have to keep doing it so he can tell us so he has a reason to come back on the show. Yeah, exactly. And finally, uh, for this question, from Patreon.com, David S. wrote to us, I would love a Star Trek cinematic universe, but I don't think it would have a broad enough appeal to general audiences, by which I mean generate enough money, and still hold true to what we consider to be Star Trek. Again, this week, you did not disappoint with your feedback. You all delivered some great comments to these community questions, and we want you to keep it going. Head over to our social media outlets to check out the conversation that time limitations forced us to leave out. Well, that wraps up episode 296 of Priority One Podcast. But before we go, here's our community question for this week. Do you enjoy Chris Pine's portrayal of Captain Kirk, or is it really just a parody of a character that we're supposed to try and take seriously? Is he too much of a Han Solo rather than the TOS Kirk? Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or tweet us via at PriorityOnePod. You can even leave a voicemail via SpeakPipe. Just click on the widget on our homepage. Don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.PriorityOnePodcast.com. And if you're listening to us via iTunes, please leave us a review. Most importantly, help spread the word about the show. Invite your fellow Trekkies, because it's your support and your word of mouth that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at GuardFrequency.com, covering the world of space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the illogical choice. Captains, don't forget we're taking next week off, and we will be back on December 5th with episode 297. Thanks to our graphic artists, Romulan Ale and Jason Smith. To our writer and social media manager, Jake Morgan. To our video editor, Jerry Tillman. And to consultant Midnight Shadow 7 of Hollow Sweet Media for supporting this show. Thanks to our audio team led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker, Jake Morgan, Esmaria DePost, and Gavin LaWarn. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage.
Transfer complete. Well, we welcome you back, Kenna. You were desperately missed. Sorely missed? Sorely. Desperately. Sorely. Desperately. Desperately sounds sorely. desperate. It's got to be hard not to rely on some sort of deus ex machina or some kind of generic pluck, pluck device. Pluck. <laughs> it is kind of plucky. It is kind of a, a pluck device. Oh, we just... I've just come. I've just named the new Star Trek Online uh, console the Pluck device. Okay, or some kind of generic Pluck. Generic. <laughs> give it. Give it to us. From the, <laughs> give it. Give oh, it to I'd like the to have an epic, epic quality Pluck device. It's got to be hard not to rely on some of. It's got to be hard not to rely on some sort of Deus. A, Okay, the problem is, is that I'm trying to read the right. This is duex x deus. I'm trying to correct it as I go, so I'm gonna put it in there. Right. Okay. I see. I see. I see. Microsoft has underlined this word, and I know it's a problem, so I'm fixing. It's not. It's just there. We go. Multitasking. Can you just add, and the event will run through December. The event runs through. I'm fine. Because this happened, la- this happened last week too, and I, I, Tony, I had to tell Tony it's it runs through December thirty first. The event runs through December twenty first. Thirty first. Oh my not God! Really? For Kenna, really? <laughs> all bets are off. It's not in the script. It's almost like there's some sort of duex ex machina around here. Oh my god, really? <laughs> She's typing <laughs> it. She has to now. Because yeah. it's going to go through December. Deus Ex 31st. Tri- if, we do, if she doesn't. I was being tripped up on December. I'm sorry, but it just needs to happen. Give me a break. I've been oh, off. Every time. If it's not in the script, it's not happening. <laughs> the event runs through December 30... <laughs> <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> I'm gonna say the end of December because I don't know what it is. I can't. No, say. December thirty. No, 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 December thirty first. Go on, you you can do it. No, December thirty first. <laughs> so mean. You can do it. The event runs through December thirty first. Oh, oh no, we <laughs> suck again. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That's as good as it's gonna get. Okay. No, 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 no you can do it. You can do it. Come on, Kenneth. Because I'm giggling. Oh, I got the giggles. <laughs> In other news, in the PC universe of Star Trek Online, if you're in a fleet and working on building the newest fleet holding, Station K-13, keep an eye out. Deliberately go off script when, like, the script is fine. Well, I was fine, but you deliberately change all the words. But I was fine, though. I was fine. I was fine. You were like, this just kept randomly. The the PC (laughs) started to go lie in the universe of the PC and the game. (laughs) Not the console, but the PC. (laughs) It's a a four-word sentence. You know, I mean, there's Elijah going off script, and then there's Kenna doing Elijah going off script. And I kind of like Kenna doing Elijah going off script. I kind of like that. There's some magic there. I like that. Look, like, I have to make it my own. Okay, but why? I have to make it's it my a, own. It's one thing making it your own when it's like scripted. And we do the same thing every week, like some of the intro and closing. I totally get that you're ad libbing a bit, but like literally, no one's ever heard these words before. These you might as well read words. it. They are new. It's like there's no point to ad libbing it. <laughs> Focus. Focus. 
<laughs> like, it has to be my words. We, my words. It will be Saturday before we get this done. Good enough. Focus. I just wanted to be. I wanted to be noted in the record. She called me a brat. <laughs> so, so noted, counselor. I'm sorry. Continue. It's an accurate description for what you are. Carry on. Not one person was unhappy that Tony was back. <clears throat> I can't even get through that. Hang on. I know it's it sticks in your throat, doesn't it? Not one unhappy person. Just hard to believe. Yeah, I've reached that. I've reached that point of the evening where everything's a bit funny. I'm sorry. It's a little bit funny. Canna's voice. <laughs> it's given because it's twelve thirty-one in the morning. And if you order now, you'll also get the sweet, sweet sounds of Elijah finishing the damn feedback segment, so we can all go to bed. <laughs> Elijah, that was legendary. It feels weird that I'm. Yeah, well, it's, it yeah. weird that you Kenna should have read, read that one because it, we. Yeah, the Kenna, best, It would have been Kenna telling us how awesome can we, just we were. Start over. That would have no, been. I, I, I really like. All right, so how about, I like the fact that you had about, to read your own, like. No, I don't like that. I don't like <laughs> that. <laughs> but it makes sense. It works with your personality. Elijah, hey, hey Elijah, hey, <laughs> you're legendary. Love from Elijah. Kiss, kiss. Okay, let's try this again. <laughs> a spy in enemy. In what? Enemetic <laughs> territory. Enemetic territory. Enemities. Don't hurt yourself, kid. This is Elijah. It is now ten to one for closing sync one. This is Kenna. Elijah is a baby closing sync two. This is Tony. Elijah's complaining about everything. Sync three. Winters, you can sync up if you want. Cool. Cool. Okay. This is Winters closing sync four. Something about Elijah being a baby. Okay. Good enough. <laughs> closing. I'm really a brat, not a baby. <laughs> In three, two. Do you enjoy JJ's portrayal? That doesn't make any sense out of context, does it? And it's Chris Pine's portrayal, not JJ's. Yeah. Excuse me. Is it, though? Is it? Oh, stop it. Leave leave J.J. Abrams alone. Seriously, you go into this rant literally every episode. Just let it let it go, dude. I'm concerned about, like, your blood pressure. Anyway. No, Captain Bill Morgan. Nobody is tickling Kenna. Although, what Winters was doing would be the virtual... <laughs> Don't finish it's that. Just don't finish it. Yeah, it is tickling. the, just, the <laughs> Google is. Docs equivalent of being tickled. Yeah, basically. Yeah. That's cr- that's <laughs> he, just, he was waggling <laughs> his cursor all over the screen. <laughs> you know, I was told no double entendres. No sexual oh. innuendos. I was briefed on this. Yeah, th- <laughs> I'm trying to No, it's fine. It's this, this whole bit will get cut. Fine. <laughs> it's funny because, like, it, it people people often listeners when they meet us and they ask about our show will say, "Wait, you guys aren't in the same room." I know, yeah, like, I know. We're yeah. not right, and so <laughs> w- with a comment like that, is someone tickling Kenna? Yes. And then being here, seeing him tickle her in the <laughs> virtual sense yeah. is just so weird. Yeah, it just makes my mind explode. Okay. Yeah. 
and to consultant Midnight Shadow 7 of Hollow Sweet Media for supporting this show. Whoa. Man, I wish you could coach <laughs> Skiffy on how to read names. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are one, one, one blurb away, and it's the same blurb every week. And, and you were complaining. Oh my god, it's so late. I can't believe yeah, that. Yeah, but that was perfect. Now, come on, man. Make a show. Come on, man. That was come on. That was a great setup, though. Come on, seriously. Alex Skippy's on Team Speak. That was, that was perfect. 